People pleasantly pass the time playing these popular games. It's easy to get hooked on them because they are heavily hypnotic. They tend to transport us to another time and place where we can temporarily control our destiny. We'll uncover the vivid world of video games on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. You got it. Hello, 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 and welcome to another exciting edition of FYI. I'm really excited about today's, and I don't even know why, because I've never been a big video game guy. I get it, lo pillo, but I personally have never played video games, except for a few games that I got hooked on, but I never really got hooked on them myself. It was always on somebody else's console, at somebody else's house, so it was a social thing in the end, but I'll tell you more about my personal experiences a little bit later on. First, we need to look at our intro, as we always do at the beginning of the podcast. I started off by saying people pleasantly, agradablemente I think that would be, pleasantly pass the time playing these popular games. Then I said it's easy to get hooked on them, and to get hooked on something is engancharse. If you think of Captain Hook, he has un garfio, I think you say? Well, Capitan Garfio, Captain Hook you get it? To get hooked, engancharse, the words are very, very similar. And if you can't remember it, just think of this famous song. I, I'm hooked on a feeling. Estoy enganchado en un sentimiento. Well, I hope you guys are getting hooked on English. And I hope it's as heavily hypnotic as these video games we're about to talk about. I went on to say they tend to transport us and tend to estienden a, they tend to transport us to another time and place where we can temporarily, vamos a pronunciar esa juntos, temporarily control our destiny. And it's true. When you have that in your hands, you have the power. When you've got the controller to shoot people, to drive off a cliff, or do whatever else your little heart desires. Now, I hope you don't do any of the things that I just mentioned. It's a game and it should stay in the digital realm, in el mundo digital. And then I finished the intro saying, We'll uncover the vivid world. Vivid is uh, muy vivo, no? And I'm thinking about the colors. Because remember, when I was younger, it was 8-bit graphics, 24-bit, 36. And now it's like 1,700,000,000 gigabytes. It's, I mean, we've got some serious computing power these days. And we're going to just see how powerful these video games in this industry has become. But I think we should start at the beginning. So let's rewind. So when did the first video game come about? 
Well, this is debatable because, as always, there were a lot of different technologies that came together to make it possible. So, you know, we needed electricity first. So technically, we could say Thomas Edison was partly responsible for video games. But the first video game that debuted at the World's Fair. So I guess that sounds pretty official. This was at the World's Fair in New York, La Expo, as you say, Exposición Mundial. And this was in the year 1940. A guy named Edward U. Condon. Yeah, guys, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you his name. <laughs> now, in English, the word is condom, so it's not the same spelling. But in Spanish, Edward U. Condon. Well, he invented a computer game that plays a nim, and a nim is like this character, against a human competitor, which we see very often now. You can play two-player, multiplayer, but many times when you're playing alone, you're playing against the computer. And the computer won an astounding 90% of the time. So this reminds me of casinos here. Uh, the odds are against us. La probabilidad está en contra de nosotros. So that was the first video game that was presented to the world. Because before that, there were arcades, recreativos, but they had pinball games. I mean, they were all games with moving pieces or games where you'd have to throw a ball and knock down some cans or you'd have to shoot. You know, these kinds of games. It, they weren't video. They weren't digital. They weren't electronic in general. So let's make that clear. The idea of a place to go and play games has existed way before the idea of a video game came into the scene. And as with most things, it was a slow start. Un comienzo bastante lento. And there were many milestones, but to not bore you, para no aburrirte, we're going to go over some of the main milestones, some of the turning points, or as we call them, game changers. And my pun was intended. Que quise hacer juego de palabras. A game changer. Algo que cambia las reglas del juego. Well, the next game changer came in 1967, when video games met television. Hi, video games. Hi, TV. Nice to meet you. And as we see even today, that was a match made in heaven. And there was a guy named Ralph Barr. Ralph Barr conceived what he called the brown box. And this was this prototype video console that allowed users to play on their TV screens. And this was huge. You wouldn't have to go play some huge cumbersome machine or go out, you could play in the comfort of your own home. But this, I think you'll agree, was a huge step. And then 1972 was a pivotal year in the video game industry. Something called the Magnavox Odyssey hit the shelves. And to hit the shelves is llegar a las tiendas. And this allowed gamers to take a console home for the first time. And it was based on that brown box I just told you about that Ralph Baer had worked on originally. So as you can see, people were taking these steps in the right direction. It looked like everything was going perfectly. Smooth sailing. But that's not the case. And we'll find out in a bit 
that there was a huge crash in the video game industry. Next up is the year I was born, 1977. And I'm sure this one rings a bell because the Magnavox Odyssey, okay, I'm not a gamer. I'm not too familiar with the history. I had to look it up. But Atari, I mean, when I think of Atari, I think of arcade games. I think of video games. I think of consoles. I mean, it's a synonym of the video industry, Atari. And in 1977, their video computer system, and many people will tell you this was the first modern console that used the same format, not the same format as far as digital in this, but the same idea, the same concept. And it started showing the importance of the game. And you had some classic games there, such as Space Invaders, Donkey Kong, Frogger. I'm showing you guys my age or I'm dating myself, but I remember going to the arcade at the local mall in El Centro Comercial while my mom was shopping and playing all these games. I remember having a pocket full of quarters. A quarter is 25 centimos. So the future looked bright, right? Everything was perfect. People were making progress as far as the technology. There were more games, more titles, more consoles coming out every day. And what happened? Well, the video game crash of 1983. There was a saturation of the market. And there was this period between 1983 and 1985. Now, it could be that it happened on different scales and different places. But in the United States, is usually the example everybody's looking at and the one we're talking about here today. And this crash was attributed to several factors. As I said earlier, market saturation. There were too many game consoles out there and too many available games, but they were all on different consoles. So sometimes having too many options can be a problem. And in general, personal computers started getting really popular and people could play games on those as well. So they lost tons of money. And it really ended what they called the golden age of arcade video games. So Atari, the pioneers, were also responsible partly for its downfall. And in the bonus part of today's show, we're going to tell you what E.T. had to do with the downfall of video games. What? E.T.? You mean extraterrestrial? You mean E.T. phone home? You mean he had something to do with it? Yep, that darn alien. Well, I'll tell you all about the E.T. story in the bonus part of today's show. And just a quick reminder, guys, every week there's a bonus episode that's available exclusively for patrons. You can also get vocabulary sheets and worksheets that go along with each episode. If you're in the higher levels, you can join me in weekly and monthly classes. And most importantly, you'll be a part of a curious community of amazing people. And I want to send a shout out to those amazing people right now, to all my patrons, especially my super duper students, Mara, Javier, Francisco, Roberto, David, Jose Maria, Mila, Alex, Patricio, 
Edgar and Loles. And don't forget about my interstellar students, Paco, Diego, Carmen, and Diana. If you guys want to find out more information about getting extra content and even classes with me, you can check it out on patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. And if you'd like a free sample, just shoot me an email or contact me on social media and I'll get you a sample of some of our documents and some of our classes. And this way you can see if it's right for you. So where were we? Hmm, parece una frase tan fácil, pero ¿dónde estábamos? So where were we? Well, we were talking about the downfall. And now you're thinking, but there was a downfall, Alberto, but now video games are more popular than ever. So what happened? What caused this resurgence? Well, following the crash, the industry matured. And that's a really good thing because the industry tried, at least they tried, to learn from their mistakes. What did they do wrong? What could they have done differently? And, and on every level, talking about developing games, rights, los derechos, third-party manufacturing. I mean, they really defined what the future would look like. And I think that's part of the reason that video games are so successful to this day. Because these people said, okay, guys, we started off right. Then we went down the wrong path. We got to turn this thing around. And they went back to the drawing board, como va la expresión en inglés, partieron desde cero, and they reinvented this industry. And this was 1985. As I said, the good thing is it took two years for them to go back to work and come back with something different. And a little company, originally founded as a playing card company, you might recognize the name Nintendo. Well, in 1985, they released the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. And this is the only console I have ever owned. Just to show you how popular it was. I have never been a gamer. I occasionally play games with friends, but I've never even had, I don't have a console in my house right now. But I remember spending hours on that Nintendo Entertainment System playing Super Mario Brothers. And remember Duck Hunt? I remember it came with a gun and you could shoot ducks. I mean, they basically changed the game, Nintendo. And this started what would become the golden age. Because we said the other golden age was linked to arcades. Well, this was the golden age of video game consoles and, and gaming from the comfort of your own home instead of waiting in line at an arcade for the most popular games, which I remember doing as well when I would play Street Fighter 2. Again, I wasn't a gamer, but I would echar uh, una uh, partida you know, I'd play a quick game with my friends for fun. And in this golden age, or if you want to call it second golden age, we started seeing some titles such as Super Mario Brothers, The Legend of Zelda, Final Fantasy. I mean, titles that we're still seeing 
today, that there are spinoffs that are started back in the, the late 80s, and they're still popular, and they're still making money off merchandising, not just the actual video games themselves. And then another turning point was in 1988. And in 1988, this is when gaming decided to meet the real world. And what do I mean by that? In the 1980s and up to now, mostly there were fictitious characters, uh, some fantasy setting, you know, in a castle like Super Mario Brothers, and you gotta rescue the princess. But then they said, well, what if we base it on real stuff? And one of the most famous ones, I don't know if you guys are familiar, in the United States is John Madden football. And this was the first time they said, well, let's take a real sport and a real presenter or sportscaster and let's put this game together. And they based it on real life. That was a huge turning point because as you guys know, some of the most popular games right now and longest running franchises are the FIFA games, the Madden NFL games, the baseball ones. So this, this shows the, the power of licensing and using real things, The Simpsons, which, okay, it's not a real thing, but it's based on a real series. And they started making these huge franchises. Then in 1989, Sega Genesis, and that's an, an appropriate name. Now, I know you're thinking, but Nintendo was doing really well. Well, Sega Genesis, they upped the game, the graphics, everything. They, they kind of said, all right, we're going to make something that's a little less childish, infantil, and a little more aimed at adults, at grown-ups. And so in 1989, they launched the Sega Genesis. As many of you remember it because of Sonic the Hedgehog. And how do we say hedgehog? Erizo right? Uh, erizo is hedgehog. Pero erizo de mar no es hedgehog. Erizo de mar is urchin or sea urchin. But what Sega did was really amazing because they opened up their target. So gaming was no longer child's play. It was something where the graphics were cool. It was high speed. I mean, they realized, well, Aren't we all kids inside? Don't we all have an inner child that's alive and kicking? I mean, who doesn't want to play games? We just have to find the right games, the right solutions, and using, obviously, the technology that's at our disposal. And, of course, Nintendo had an answer to the Sega Genesis. But it wasn't until 1989, later that year, they had a different answer. And this answer wasn't a direct answer they decided to change the game again with the first mobile or handheld device, which is the Nintendo Game Boy. I don't know about you guys, I owned one of these two. See, I told you guys I'm not a gamer, but in the end, I remember playing Nintendo more than anything else. So I guess if I have to stay true to one of them, it's Nintendo. Just because, well, <laughs> I haven't played too many others. Maybe I remember playing, getting hooked. I, in fact, I, one time in my life I got hooked. I was living in Florida. And a friend of mine introduced me to Grand Theft Auto. Do you guys know this game, Grand Theft Auto? Grand Theft Auto is Robo de Coches. We can learn from the titles, como Sonic the Hedgehog antes. And I remember this game where you just had to, you know, do these missions, but you could crash cars, steal cars, shoot people. And I remember, like, being at work when I lived in Florida, and 
just thinking, I can't wait to go home and play. I can't wait to go home and do this mission. And I realized, I said, I've never gotten like this. And I even remember one day driving to work and I was driving and I remember looking at that car and another car and I'm like, well, what if I leave this car and steal that one? And the reason I wasn't going to do it, obviously, I'm a reasonable human being, but a part of my head was like, I didn't know where the line was between reality and fantasy. I'd been playing for so many hours. I was probably delusional at that point. And what happened? I'm like, voy a robar ese coche. And then I was like, wait, Alberto, we're not playing a game. You're driving to work. So maybe it's a, maybe there's a reason that I haven't gotten into video games. Maybe I don't trust myself. No me fío de mí mismo. Oh, and speaking of Grand Theft Auto, the budget for Grand Theft Auto V, budget es presupuesto, reportedly cost, are you ready for this? $250 million. That's right, $250 million. That's much more than many movies. And another one, Destiny, which I'm not familiar with this one. This is what we call a first-person shooter. This was released in 2014. It was rumored that the budget was $500 hundred million dollars. I mean, you want to talk about these big, elaborate productions. Let's talk video games. And we've talked about this in the past, I believe. It was possibly in the Hollywood episodes. The video game industry has overtaken the film industry, but it's just exponentially growing. And it doesn't seem like that trend is going to end. The video game industry is getting bigger and bigger. And the Hollywood industry or the Hollywood system is getting less and less important. I think it's really interesting to see the paradigm change. I've seen us go. One of the interesting thing about people who are my age, we've seen it all. We grew up and lived in the analog world, and now we're experiencing the digital world. So I feel like my daughter's never going to know what that analog world was like. So look at that, guys. $500 million budgets. It is huge. And when you think about this, this is one of the fun facts, and we're going to wrap up now, but remember, we've got the bonus part where we're going to look at more game changers. We're also going to look at that E.T. story, that E.T. connection I told you about. We'll also look at the dark side, and we'll look at using computers and video games for educational purposes, plus... We're going to have a quiz, an audio quiz that I prepared where I'm going to play five jingles from famous video games. And you guys are going to have to guess what video game it's from. I already tried it on my wife and she really enjoyed it. So I really hope you'll join us in the bonus part of today's show because we've got so much more to discover. I just can't fit it all in a half an hour. That's why we have a bonus part. But I'll leave you with this fact. These games that have changed our lives, inspired us, and made a lot of money for a lot of people, the original games like Super Mario Brothers and Zelda, you know, The Legend of Zelda, right now you have more megabytes in a normal picture on your phone than both of those games together. So just think of how simple they were and how they didn't take up much memory. Supposedly these games, now I don't understand megabytes, but these games took up like 0.5 megabytes. We all have in our phone, I, I imagine most of us, pictures that have much more 
megabytes than that. So that's an interesting thing too. As technology evolves, so does the gaming industry. And we'll take a look at that and so much more in the bonus part of today's FYI.